0: Welcome Welcome, to Sick Addictions with Jocelyn Jocelyn Stone. Stone. Uh, Every man man and woman has one. What's What's yours? yours? Mm. Uh, And now your hostess, Miss Jocelyn Jocelyn Stone.
1: Stone. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Sick Addictions with Jocelyn Stone. Now, I'm kind of cheating on this one. As you know, in January, Rebecca Love and I went over to the Internext Convention, which is more of a B2B, and one of the uh, seminars that we went to was three separate attorneys that have three different focal points in the adult industry the regular attorneys that saw the loophole where the adult industry needed some backing needed some help and this was a a really cool way of um, seeing their different topics this presentation uh, i'm going to read what they actually have written educational seminar facing new legal challenges in adult in this presentation leading Adult industry attorneys will explore the most pressing legal issues facing adult entertainment, such as mounting pressure from the political opponents on FOSTA. Now, let me see if I can... uh, FOSTA fears. Um, FOSTA, F-O-S-T-A, is Fighting Online Sex Trafficking Act. But it's very vague, and you'll hear... A lot of things that come out of how this um, act is written, how it's affecting people and stuff. Um, Also, privacy concerns and revenge porn. You send anything to somebody and they post it out there, you know, uh, it can be really scary, um, can ruin your life because they send it to your, uh, employer or your family. There's nothing you can do about it. So when it, when it's all said and done and they offer solutions to keep your business safe and profitable. So, um, with this, I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I did. I was scribbling notes like crazy because you know how Rebecca and I are, we're constantly bantering back and forth and back and forth just to sit there and listen and, um, you know, try to do q and a, but keeping it together and not um um I don't know cock blocking other people from asking questions. I tried to stay real quiet and just listen and I scribbled down a lot of notes and After this episode, Rebecca and I have already recorded something to back this up, you know where stupidity bubbles to the top. So, um, look for that one as well. But um, I hope you enjoy these gentlemen as much as I did. It's three separate attorneys. We just hit record and want to get that information out there. We're constantly telling people at karaoke and, you know, topics from the hat, anybody that we talk to about. What's going on in the industry and how to protect themselves because it's a community. If one goes down, it's like dominoes, so we can all go down. And if we don't fight for our own rights and we allow people to really put us down at the bottom of the barrel, well, that's the way everybody's going to treat us. We're not stupid, so we need to act like we're not stupid. And these gentlemen uh, actually took it upon themselves to go, Hey, the adult industry, this industry, the talent needs some protecting and some advice. And it's, it's pretty wonderful information. Remember there's three of them and all three have their own topic. So it's, yeah, it's pretty neat. And I hope you guys enjoy it.
2: This, 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 this. Yeah. Oh, we're going to be breaking. You want
3: to do introductions? Yeah. Introduce yourself, Larry do Walters. Does anyone in the room not know any of us? There you go.
2: Oh, there's one guy. New guy. <laughs> <laughs> we well, gotta
4: introduce yourself
1: first. Come here. <laughs> Take
3: your shirt off, also. The new uh, thing that we're doing here. <laughs> uh,
5: Larry Walters. I've uh, been representing the industry for about 30 years. Uh, it's my 21st Internet. next, and. Uh, do uh, this type of work all over the country. Uh, my website's firstamendment.com and uh, Al Walters' blog group on Twitter. And happy to be here and answer your questions. He's actually seventy-five, but he looks a lot younger. Thirty, 30 years. Thirty years. 30
4: years. Wow. You
3: two are the only fucks up here with gray hair. I still yeah. got my. I still got some color. Oh. <laughs> That's leaving soon. Don't worry about Wait. it. <laughs> so my name. Sausage so
2: formula?
3: No, oh, man. You're supposed to take pictures, not make jokes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Your ass back to work. All right. So, my name
3: is Corey Silverstein. I'm also an adult industry lawyer, I think. Uh, we've been here forever. Uh, you guys can find me online. My adult attorney is my uh, main website. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook, whatever. Uh, obviously, we'll stick around for a few minutes after if you guys have any ridiculous questions that you don't want to
2: ask in public because you're too humiliated. So, yeah, that's okay. So, there you go. Michael
4: Federosi, California attorney. 20 years and two years adult attorney, 17 years adultbizlaw.com most people know me by at porn law
2: on twitter that's a good way to find me so uh, you can start with Faustus. what's well, the well, most recent- about
5: boston. Yeah. yeah there's some recent news
2: out of boston um uh, everybody's
5: pretty much up to speed but this is the law that has uh, wrecked havoc in the adult <clears> industry and the reason why there's no more tumblr uh or all the content on facebook and instagram um being federal government in its infinite wisdom decided that um, it would pass a law prohibiting promoting or facilitating prostitution on the internet, and the internet platforms really can't tell what promoting or uh, or facilitating prostitution is on the internet because they're not there when the content is produced. Any sexually-oriented content could theoretically be promoting or facilitating prostitution. So they draw the line far away from anything that might be potentially risky, and so we've lost a lot of these platforms. As a, uh, as a promotional outlet and tool. And so, um, one of the things that we did as soon as the law was passed is put together a legal challenge to the statute. And uh, there's a group of plaintiffs, including the Woodall Freedom Foundation and archive.org and uh, a number of other uh, um, civil rights groups that are challenging the statute. Uh, we ended up at the district court level with a ruling that said that the plaintiffs who are challenging the law did not have standing. Uh, which is basically a legal principle that says that if you don't have a dog in the fight, if you don't have a sufficient interest in the case, then you can't challenge the law. And the government was arguing, well, we wouldn't really prosecute these people. Uh, we wouldn't actually you know, pursue somebody who is advocating prostitution or helping sex workers or archiving the internet that includes all kinds of um, escort advertising sites and child pornography and everything else. Um, so the government made the argument that these plaintiffs don't have standing, these plaintiffs can't challenge the law. We can, of course, enforce it against anyone we want, but you can't challenge it. We obviously rejected that and appealed that to the District um, of Columbia Court of Appeals. And that court on Friday finally ruled that no, in fact, we do have standing to challenge it. We always had standing to challenge it. Um, The way that this law is written is so broad that it could potentially catch any of these sites that in any way promote or facilitate prostitution um, it's written broadly enough, so it's not directed at like back page or other bad actor websites it's directed at any website um, that potentially has the ability to promote or facilitate prostitution and since the law doesn't define promote or facilitate or even prostitution it's vague it's it's broad the platforms don't know what it really means and uh, that we should have a chance to challenge it and so we're very happy to see that decision. Uh, unfortunately, it took a year and a half to get that from the time we, we initiated the legal challenge. So, you know, a lot of damage has been done to the internet. Uh, a lot of censorship has resulted, as you've seen, a lot of sexually oriented content has been wiped off. The face of the internet, uh, we're hoping that will change soon. We're going to go back to the district court and now have a real hearing on the merits of the challenge, on whether or not FASA actually does violate the First Amendment, whether it violates due process. And one of the crazy things about this law is it applies to any activity that occurred even before the law was passed, um, which, you know, the lawyers up here, we know that that's not right. It's a violation of due process. You can't pass the law and then say, oh, well, it also applies to everything that occurred before the law was passed, which is a little silly, but we've challenged it on due process grounds and you know, that's a violation of due process. So we're back at the district court now. Uh, we hope to have a hearing as soon as possible there's an opportunity for the government to potentially file a motion for rehearing or try to change the decision, which we don't think is going to work. They could, I guess, appeal it to the U.S. Supreme Court, which would be difficult because this is like a, a preliminary ruling. The U.S. Supreme Court really doesn't take those kind of cases, but they could. And so we're hoping to get back in front of the district court as soon as possible, have a hearing on the, the law is unconstitutional and hopefully get it enjoined and try to put uh, FOSTA out in the dustbin of history. Uh, the one other piece of good news is that there is uh, there are bills pending at both the senate and the house of representatives to study boston to study the unintended consequences of boston um, it's as if they just finally realized oh maybe we did something wrong when we passed this law maybe sex workers have now lost all their harm reduction tools and all their ability to operate their own businesses and maybe they're being driven into very dangerous situations and the murder rate is up and the, uh, the sexual assault rate is up with regard to sex workers, and they didn't study this before when they should have, but now they're actually finally talking about in Congress, studying the unintended in- impacts of Boston, which is a good first step because the study comes back that shows that this law actually does harm sex workers. If it does cause censorship on the internet, then there's a possibility that it could be modified, could be repealed, could be looked at again, and maybe that's another avenue or we can try to get rid of FOSTA in addition to the legal challenge that we have pending. Can, can I ask you a question? I, I know you're very deep into the appeals and the
4: criminal aspect, but it, what about the civil aspect of, Sof, of FOSTA? Because it does allow for private, of action against uh, websites. And there's been some cases filed against Facebook, and there's a recent MailChimp case. And so that's something that people should not forget, is that it's not only a criminal aspect, but there's a civil aspect.
5: Fosta as well as
4: there
5: not. No. Fosta did a number of different things. It's not just one statute. It repealed the protection that the platform operators had under what's called Section 230. Uh, it allows now for virtually anybody to sue platforms if they say that they're a victim of uh, sex trafficking or prostitution. And these, lo- these lawsuits have now been filed. Civil lawsuits have been filed against uh, Mailchimp and Salesforce and Facebook uh, under the theory that they. promoted prostitution or were recklessly indifferent to sex trafficking which is another crazy part of this law if you operate a platform and content is uploaded to your website and it somehow involves sex trafficking and you didn't do enough to find out about that fact in the first place and someone turned a blind eye to it then you can be sued in federal court for millions of dollars like Salesforce and MailChimp and, and Facebook have and so you know this this law uh, has done a number of dangerous things and that's why they draw the line so far away from illegal material because they're afraid of these lawsuits and the civil lawsuits have been filed a lot of damage has been done uh, in terms of removal of content from the internet but mike's right you, know, you, you can face potential criminal prosecution or civil liability by being sued for you know allowing this type of content on your site
4: and so even though the criminal case is being or the criminal aspect of this is being appealed the civil cases are still moving forward towards litigation, correct?
5: Yes, um, there, there have been a few civil cases that have moved forward. Some of them have been dismissed. Um, some of them are being appealed. So, you know, obviously the platforms are fighting back and, and they have the money to, to fight back, at least the ones that have been sued or named so far. Uh, back page is in the middle of a criminal prosecution as well, but not under FOSTA, under pre-existing law, which parenthetically shows that FOSTA wasn't necessary in the first place because their main target was Backpage. They wanted to get rid of Backpage and they said we need FOSTA to get rid of Backpage. We need FOSTA. We need this new law that we can use to go after
2: uh,
5: website operators and platform operators. But they took FOSTA. They used existing law to take down Backpage before FOSTA was even passed. Uh, but yes, the civil cases go on and uh, it, there'll be more of them, I can guarantee, because it's now much easier under FOSTA to sue a platform operator unless we get it enjoined and, and shut down. And in that case, uh, things will hopefully go back to normal.
4: Do you think FOSTA is, is partially the reason why some of the larger platforms like Instagram and Twitter may be shutting down adult performer sites
5: or adult sites in general as to limit their liability? Yeah. There's no question in my mind that the decisions that were made in the last two years to take down sexually-oriented content from the platforms was based on FOSTA. I mean, the timing is obvious. Uh, most of them won't publicly admit it for a number of reasons. And part of it is that you have to get into legal advice from the lawyers why are you taking on this content well our lawyers told us to well we can't really get into what our lawyers say so they don't publicly admit it but one platform that did admit it publicly was craigslist and they immediately took down the personal ads section of craigslist right after pasta was passed and that action that activity by craigslist helped us in the lawsuit because we were able to show that as a direct result of fostas this action happened one of our plaintiffs was a massage therapist, a uh, licensed massage therapist, who lost his advertising platform on Craigslist. Mm-hmm. And the issue that the, the government raised there was, well, you know, we don't know that Craigslist would bring back the personals section if we enjoined this law. So this lawsuit doesn't uh, show that it's redressable, that even if you win, Craigslist might not do anything, and so there's nothing we can really do to help. You know, That was the argument the government made. But Craigslist did say in their public announcement that we hope to bring it back. And that was the key in the recent decision where the court said, look, you know, Craigslist took this down right after FOSTA was passed. They said it was because of FOSTA and they said they want to bring it back. So obviously if we enjoin the law, it looks like they want to bring it back and things would, like I say, go back to normal. So uh, yes, the, the platforms are taking
2: content down as a result of FOSTA, whether they admit it publicly or not. And the question I get asked a lot about escorts is you can't have sex trafficking with one person so if somebody
4: is they have their own escort site where they're only advertising themselves that wouldn't necessarily fall under FOSTA. but if they started advertising other escorts that were available with them as duos or friends or things like that would that also encompass a FOSTA type situation
5: yeah that is that is a common question you know people ask okay what is the extent of FOSTA? does it apply to consensual sex work on the street no it has to involve a computer Basa um, says that it has to that the prostitution has to be of another so you have to be promoting the prostitution of another so that suggests that there has to be a different person other than the website operator who is engaging in prostitution that the website is promoting so if you have a sex worker that's operating their own website and the only sexual activity in involves that one person, then FOSTA probably wouldn't apply. at least that's what I would argue, and I think that's a reasonable interpretation. But if there's more than one person, if it's a duo, if there's you know, multiple people you know, advertised on the site or they allow you know, visiting companions or other situations that we see, then that could easily run into a FOSTA issue.
4: Now, a related question I get asked a lot is, because a lot of the uh, review sites or advertising sites are requiring escorts to put buttons on their site promoting those other sites. Would that fall under FOSTA? Because that links to a site that is also promoting prostitution, even though there may only be one person on the first site, by adding those buttons on does that now encompass promoting the prostitution of others?
5: Well, I I think the government would argue yes. Uh, I think that any time that one website is used to promote another website, or any computer service is used to promote another computer service, and that other service involves prostitution, that FOSTA would apply, and the government would argue that anything that you do to advance prostitution, to make prostitution easier, is encompassed by FOSTA. And that's what the word facilitates means. In the law, the word facilitates means anything that makes the activity easier. So that's why review sites, that's why even credit card processing, you know, any activity that is tangential to sex work is has the potential to be encompassed under FOSTA because it's so broad. Covers any facilitation of sexual activity. Uh, you, what would you like to talk about, Corey? Privacy? Oh, we're going to talk about we well, did. Yeah. Well, I mean, so we do you want to do test questions? Test for, test for yeah. websites all over
2: pages, right? Yeah. Yeah. How do they the stay
5: Yeah, it, there is a uh, an affirmative defense that's been built into FOSTA. It, it's certainly not perfect, and there's a lot of problems with it, but the government realized well, there is a small section of about that allows for legal prostitution, so we can't just make all prostitution illegal. So they built in this affirmative defense where, basically, after you get prosecuted and you know arrested and dragged into a federal court, you can then argue that, well, the only prostitution activities I was advertising on this website involved legal prostitution activities. Um, but it gets to be a very complicated question because if the website is based in another jurisdiction or received in another jurisdiction, or you're using hosting services that are based outside the state of Nevada where prostitution is legal, does the prostitution have to be legal in all those jurisdictions? And will the government say, well, yes? The, you know, the, the end user that goes to the prostitute is engaging in, in a legal activity, but there's other facilitation of that activity that is occurring in places where it's illegal. So, and we've seen that before. Um, There there have been other cases where there have been challenges to a uh, a statute uh, barring the advertising of prostitution. And the fact that, you know, the advertising activity was occurring in a different state was enough for the government to say, well, that's illegal, even if the end user was going to a legal jurisdiction. What about
2: you? Yeah, that's there's tons of them on there, so
5: they're all being advertised. What's their technology? Yeah, be, I mean, it, you know, it, we can't talk about specific companies because we don't know what their decision making is, what their lawyers are telling them, etc. I can tell you that there are a lot of people breaking the law um, in this industry, and there are others who believe that because I'm based in a jurisdiction outside the United States, that U.S. law doesn't apply. Um, you know, we've seen. U.S. law be applied to foreign operations in a lot of other industries, as well as in, um, in human trafficking cases, in drug cases, in online gambling cases. Um, the United States government basically shut down a number of online gambling sites that were operating overseas by seizing all of their money, um, by enjoining them issuing court orders to stop their operations in the United States. So. It's not as if the United States is powerless uh, with regard to operations outside the United States. It is admittedly a little bit difficult. Um, the Department of Homeland Security has made comments publicly saying that you know it's difficult for us to reach these online escort sites that are based overseas. So you know it may be challenging for them. It's not impossible, um, but most of the escort advertising sites that are left are based overseas.
3: We get a lot of these questions often as lawyers, we get this all the time and people say to us, well, and, and like you gave the Eros example, we're not gonna use specific examples, but people say, well, wait a minute, but they're doing it, so if they're doing it, why can't I do it? And and we get it all the time. And, and the fact is, is that our job as lawyers is to advise our clients what the law is and tell them, listen, by doing this, you're either breaking the law, you're not complying with the law, etc." Unfortunately, even as lawyers, as many times as we would love to sit and tell clients over and over again and beat them in the head and tell them that they're doing something stupid, they make their own decisions and oftentimes those decisions involve not bringing up now does that mean though that what people should be doing is emulating the content the the conduct of the biggest sites no that's a, that's a horrible mistake that's more of an epidemic than anything and when people do that what ends up happening is okay you know here, what's the expression with the one guy he jumps off the cliff and the guy falls jumps off after him and the guy jumps after him and everyone's jumping off the damn cliff you don't want to be doing that so that's a great really good uh, really good question so. and any other foster questions I,
2: I have something that's not exactly the pretty Have any of you seen any adult science taken that I want I'm not thinking about pursuit of attack under the um, I don't know the name of it, you know what it is when I describe it. There's 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 cases now being brought against people that have not made their sites handicapped compliant. Oh um, yeah. This is <laughs> the this is the new
3: this is like this is the new this is the new troll thing. Yeah. So so okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit that like very very briefly because i don't want to waste too much time talking about it today because frankly i i think it's stupid <laughs> um unfortunately you know the three of us are actually we've been doing this for a while the two gray-haired guys a lot longer than
2: me <laughs>
3: but we've been doing this for a long time and, right, right. and we, we, we we've worked very hard and there's a, a reason why the three of us actually are respected in this industry is because we haven't engaged in legal tactics like you know you guys often hear about ambulance chasing and nonsense like that now are there these laws out there that do have these ridiculous consequences like it like such as websites that you know are not accessible to the blind i i know it's ridiculous and i know we're seeing the lawsuits now but believe it or not these cases are there um i think what you'll see in the next couple of i hate to say it's going to take years but it will take years this litigation is going to play out a lot of it will settle because the cost of litigation is just too much but i think what you'll start seeing is you'll see some states coming out with some laws to hopefully close the gap that was left open because in my frankly in my opinion some of these cases are are ridiculous and and, you know maybe they disagree with me but i i I think that they there's these are loopholes that as far as i'm concerned ambulance chasers are are abusing now is is there certainly potentially someone out there a victim so to speak, or someone who truly has some sort of handicap that they can't access a website that maybe they should be able to, okay, sure, maybe that exists, but but I don't, and that's not what I'm looking at. I don't see lawyers targeting porn sites. As, like you said, I mean, we all saw the headlines last week. Porn. Yeah, the, the blind guy. Was it the blind guy or the deaf guy? I think it was blind. The blind. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, audio it, it's it's absurd. And to me, that that's just nonsense. But that's a great. It, it's a good question.
2: What I understand is that there's no to it. It's not that there's he, no to fix it, or and you pay. That's it. That and way. this is
3: why you're going to see that most of these cases are going to end up settling, and and the plaintiff's lawyers know that. And as far as I'm concerned, it's like our newest kind of, it's the newest way for the trolls as I call it, to get into the industry. But look, ultimately, we still have to be aware of them. And so, if you're a website operator, you have to be aware of these laws because look, is there a potential that someone might come after you for something ridiculous like this? Sure,
5: but that's kind of like lightning striking yeah you know, there's, you know, thousands and thousands of websites out there you know one or two might get hit you know, that kind of claim is primarily an attorney's fee claim the reason that the lawyers bring them is because they get attorney's fees awarded if they win and so they go out and they find these, these websites and these plaintiffs and they just say okay you know pay me $20,000 in attorney's fees and oh yeah and fix your site or whatever and you know it's basically about the attorneys but I think one site in response actually just brought out closed
4: captioning like shortly oh, after the lawsuit filed. Like yeah,
3: and you're gonna see more of that. You're, you're actually gonna see more websites doing that. And, and again, I think the bigger sites are gonna be the bigger target. Yeah. The bigger yeah. target. Because they got the deeper pockets. But I mean, it's like, you know, again, you're always gonna find some, there's always someone out there. I mean, frankly, I think we should all sue the SLS having to stare at the ugliest carpet in the history of the world here. And I'm, I'm so I, I think I'm gonna be emotionally damaged over this shit forever. Yeah, really
2: I don't even know what this is it doesn't look like it. something died it's just awful anyway is that cactus yes I don't know what like. it is it's like a
1: desert yes. from the above
3: it's awful we were looking down at category it's really awful anyway so all right so so one of the big things in the in the big elephants in the room that, that we really wanted to talk about today it, and it goes right along with what Larry is saying it's something important guys um Larry can't do it because Larry's actually one of the attorneys in the case I can do it though The Woodhill Freedom Foundation is the organization that is basically the the lead plaintiff, so to speak, in this action. If you haven't done so already, go to their website and uh, you can sign up for updates. You can also donate a couple bucks. We're not sitting here begging for money, but at the same time, go online because this is going to be a fight that, that, like Larry just said, is it possible that we're going to be seeing this thing go all the way to the Supreme Court at some point? Sure, it is. Yes, yes. Yes. We're going to be be, uh, dancing in this for a while. so the big thing that a lot of people still want to talk about is obviously you guys have heard and read, I'm sure that there's a large content production company out there that a uh, couple of the content producers have managed themselves to hang out they're hanging out in jail right now in New York. So you guys familiar with that? You guys following the Girls Do Porn stuff? No, really? Some of you don't know? All right. So anyway, so you have this company, for those of you who don't know, Girls Do Porn, they, they're a, a website operator, content producer, whatever. They've been around for a long time. Uh, they were making, uh, obviously they were content producers, um, but they actually, so. The, and this is why it's the big news for the industry, as producers, this is the first time that we have actually seen the United States government charge a producer with violation of the uh, sex trafficking laws. Now, the reason is that in this case, these individuals are being alleged to have done some pretty horrible things. Uh, some of the, uh, the alleged acts that they were taking in terms of content production are actually pretty disgusting. Now, if in fact those things are true, they obviously do need to be punished and they should suffer the consequences. But that's not actually what my message is today. My message today is that you guys are here right now and, and Larry and I and Mike has been up here with me also as we've been like screaming this message at the top of our lungs for, for I don't even know how many years, I think we started doing it here at Interdex probably five years ago. And we kept saying that this was something that we saw that the US government in, in their war against censorship and their war against human trafficking, pornography, that we, could, we saw the potential that they would use this law to charge someone in the creation of, uh, in, in the course of creating content. So what does that mean for us now? What that means for us now is that, so now what we've kind of been deathly afraid of is happening. Now we've seen the government doing it. And again, I'm not saying what these guys did was right. If the allegations were true, then they really, they deserve to be in the place they're at. But ultimately, for, for those who are not familiar, can you talk about what kind yeah. sort of things they did Yes. They can differentiate it from their sure. production. So some of the so some of the acts that they were doing, for one thing, they were uh, they were basically misstating what models were coming in for. So they were recruiting models and telling the models, "Okay, you're coming in for a exotic photo shoot," or even sometimes they would say, "You're coming in for a, a nude uh, shoot," or they'd say, "You're coming in for a hand job shoot," or what have you. And then ultimately, when the model arrived. To their surprise, it wasn't. They weren't there for an exotic shoot. They weren't there for a hand job scene. They were there for full-out sex, or, or in many cases, more uh, explicit content. And the girls were basically told, "Hey, you're going to do this, or you know, we're not going to pay you, or we're going to pay you less." And basically, all of these tactics that they were that they were using, the government looked like uh, the government said, "No way, no how." And again, these are some of the tactics that that are just horrific. And in, in some of the most extreme uh, allegations in the indictment they make allegations that the doors to uh, a lot of the content was shot in hotel rooms, but the doors were blocked by audio and visual equipment. So for you content producers in the room, I mean, you guys know that an active porn set has a lot of stuff going on. You got, you know, your lights and your, you know, everything going on, speakers, everything. And so they were basically alleging that <coughs> the equipment was being purposely blocked in the way of the door so that a, uh, <coughs> who felt uncomfortable couldn't leave. That was one of the big, the big allegations. Then of course there was another allegation, where one of these guys, uh, after he was done filming, he would, uh, he took uh, one of the models for what I call, a, <clears throat> I, I call it a drive. And basically what, the, what this particular guy did is he took the model for a drive, stopped under an overpass and said, I'm not taking you to the airport until you give me a blow job. <laughs> you know, these this was obviously outside of, of content production. Um, the other thing that they, that they were doing that was, uh, frankly, I think it was kind of the icing on the cake, was they were telling the girls, they were saying, hey, okay, so you're filming this content and the only place it's gonna end up is gonna be in China on some DVD and that's all we're gonna use it for. And they were, and, and unfortunately, some of these individuals, that they believed that, they took the word of these people. And obviously we all know that Girls Do Porn had a website that was accessible anywhere in the world. And that wasn't the case. Um, on top of uh, that, there was also allegations that when they would present the models with model releases, Basically, they would say, here's your model release, sign it, and literally stand there and use like pressure tactics to make them quickly sign it, take it back, and they know what the hell was going on. Mm-hmm. This sort of behavior is unaccessible. It, we don't, if, if you're a content producer and that's the sort of stuff mm-hmm. you want to do in this industry, then get the fuck out. We don't want to hear it. that. That's not what this industry is about. It's, it's Frankly, it's disgusting if it's true. Um, so what we've been doing, and this is where the important thing is, as content producers, which you, every single one you have to do, is I tell you all, go back to the drawing board. You say, well, you can go back to the drawing board. <coughs> Start reviewing your entire process of creating content from beginning stages all the way to when you're distributing, meaning from the second you're trying to recruit a model, you need to evaluate what you're doing in those business practices. You need to think about <coughs> making sure that you've got clear emails to be able to back it up if emails, how you communicate. Make sure that you'll be able to say, no, here's what was said, here's what wasn't said. A lot of the allegations in the girls do porn case was there was emails, there was chat logs, there was telephone calls, there was a, a lot of different forms of communicating. In terms of uh, your models actually showing up, your models when they show up at a set, okay, this is not what mainstream media mainstream media wants to portray the porn industry as a bunch of guys in a dirty room with carpet like this, with <laughs> drugs everywhere, and, and you know, their portrayal of what the porn industry is, is is not reality. And you know, you're joking, but that's what the fact is. If you look at the way they portray us, that's what it is. We're professionals. When you show up to a set, your set should be, it should be clean. Your set should, your people should uh, make your, your models feel safe. If you have a model that even for the slightest of inkling has a reservation, the slightest of inkling, like I'm telling you, even the slightest reservation, stop. Stop everything right then and there. Your performer releases, your model releases, which have been over time a joke. And I've got a little bit of a bone to pick with this. And, and I didn't, Mike and Larry know that I've been very annoyed lately because what I've noticed is that there's, I, I call them other outside lawyers that have absolutely, they don't really have experience in this business. And this really frustrates the out of me. And they come in and they say, "Listen, you got to use my model release." You know, use my model release. Yeah, sure, no problem. I know what I'm doing. I'll draft a model release, whatever. These guys don't understand the industry. They don't know what's going on. They don't know what the hell they're doing. And frankly, they're trouble. This is an important part of the process. That when you get the proper documents to present to your performers, you get them from a lawyer that's been in this industry that's experienced. All three of us who are up here. I mean, you know, Mike's been doing this. How long do you say you are Seventy years. So Mike has so Mike, so been doing this for 70 years. I'm 102. <laughs> so, but but we've been up here and I've been doing these, I've been doing these shows for 15 years. And, and I've seen it, I've seen it over and over again, where they come to me and they say, Corey, here's the, here's the performer release that my mainstream lawyer prepared for. And they said this was good to go. And it's crap and it's dangerous and it's stupid. And frankly, I think it's completely irresponsible, which is why I'm imploring you all to make sure if you have your own lawyers great i'm not saying hire one of the three of us it's not what i do with these things of course we yes you. Yes. no i'm not <laughs> of course i'd love the, go well, just hire me not that no if we love that we love the we of course we love the business and we want it okay but there are other adult entertainment lawyers out there that have experience that have the qualifications to be able to do this work don't go to your mainstream lawyer don't take someone who just claims yeah i'm an industry lawyer now because they started hanging out at trade shows that's not a fucking industry lawyer sorry but it's not Okay? It takes a long time to be able to understand this business, what's going on. But anyway, I'm done with my angry moment. Going back to the topic at hand, okay, those performer releases, those model releases, those documents, my new suggestion to all you content producers is have a camera running the whole damn time. I'm not saying not not the camera in the bathroom, not the, the PP camera, whatever you weirdos call it. I'm talking about having a camera that's actually shooting the entire process for when your performer gets there, every step of the way when you present her with the contracts, when she signs the agreements, when, uh, she, when you collect your 2257 documentation. And specifically, there are questions that you should be asking your performers both before and after the shoot. Okay. Questions beforehand, such as why are you here? How did you get here? Are you happy to be here? Are you here in your own free will? These are these are very essential things that you need on tape. Now, you got you know you got you guys think like some of you are smiling. It's like oh man, we're gonna have to do all this when we produce now. You think these three assholes, sorry, they're not assholes, but you think these three guys that are sitting in lockup in, in federal penitentiary in New York right now, you don't think they wish that they had had a camera recording the whole damn thing for all these people that are making these allegations? I can guarantee you that they wish they do now.
2: Is that, would that be relevant to software? too? To what? South
3: yeah. I You I
4: yeah, I would treat it like you're a gynecologist. I would not want to be in a room alone with a model in any way. Without having at least a witness there or having a camera, on. yep. I mean, one of the things that I, that a couple of my content producers, here is I tell them to get body cams, like police wear, on each one of their, each one of their staff, because you can have one camera and then you can be somebody can be off camera. There was a case that I handled that made the news. And hi
0: hey guys,
1: this is Rebecca Love. Why aren't you a member of the fan club? Oh, I'm sorry. Was that too direct? Get over to adultfilmstarnetwork.com. Hit the button for the fan club. It's only $5 a month. It's a private link into our Discord. And you can participate with all the shows. But not only that, we can send you an alert 15 minutes before showtime. So you'll never miss a live, unfiltered podcast ever again. Not like we did it in the past. But this is the future. So, go to adultfilmstarnetwork.com and click on the fan club. We'll see you in there.
4: Uh, he was lucky enough, the producer was, enough, was lucky enough to do exactly what Corey said and do the right questions and have the camera running and the police were contacted. And because of that video, he was able to avoid any type of prosecution. And so it is imperative that you protect yourself as a producer director now so that nobody can make a false a- allegation now the bad thing is if you're a scumbag and you're doing some of these things it's now on tape and there's evidence yeah. against you so
5: yeah I mean, but, you know, the, the main problem that we're dealing with here is that the sex trafficking laws talk about any commercial sex act that occurs as a result of forced broader coercion and those terms are interpreted very broadly in the law uh, it can be an implied threat of force. It can be somebody feeling unsafe, like they don't have a choice. Fraud can be promises of fame and fortune that don't pan out. Or, uh, I told you to pay you 500, I only have 400, or it was going to be cash, now it's a check. I mean, anything like that could be spun as a form of fraud. And when you think about it, it's going to be either a prosecutor making these allegations, who has you know, potentially an agenda against the adult industry, and wants to conflate porn and sex trafficking and so forth. Or it's a plaintiff's lawyer and somebody who's trying to you know, sue you for money. So their version of the events could be spun, could be manufactured. If you have that camera. If you have that evidence, you can refute
4: it. How much were the women awarded in that case in San Diego? Twelve million. Twelve million dollars. Practically about a half a million dollars. For twelve million. They're never going to collect a dime. No, they're not going to But about a half for a million twelve dollars oh, per yeah. year. Yeah, for growth, so that, now we have a value on it so think about it that way yeah. it may be only be one woman or one male performer or one transgender performer suing you but now there's a a, a number out there that's that's yeah. hanging out in the world of a half a million dollars
3: so i'm gonna get, i'm gonna get a little graphic because larry actually said something that, that triggered something in my head and, and it goes to what michael was asking me before about specific con- conduct that really was outrageous sex acts okay everyone's grown-ups in here we can we can talk about sex acts openly if an individual is going to a shoot, okay, guy or girl, okay, it doesn't it doesn't make a difference to me. And that individual believes that they're walking in to do a blowjob scene, okay? And then when they get there, you start saying, Ah, oh, you know what? Well, you're here, you know, why don't we do an anal scene? I'll give you an extra hundred bucks. Say, you know what? Fuck the, you know, fuck the blowjob here. Here there's there's two guys now. Let's blow them both, and you know, otherwise we're gonna have to cut a couple bucks. If you guys are doing anything like that nonsense, okay you had to stop because the government was all over these girls who porn guys on this. It's over and over and over again, changing what the actual sex acts were, okay? So again, if you're hiring a model, and think about this from just a logical, common sense perspective, okay? If you're a performer and you get hired and you get flown in or you go to a shoot, and then you get there and someone says to you, oh, by the way, we're also gonna have to shove this broomstick up your ass. And if you don't, you're not gonna get paid. No, think about it for a second exactly and then you got to think of, you have to think about the performer's perspective the performer thinks wait a minute pressure. i'm here now i'm not going to give it get paid that's pressure and Larry, what does the
5: government say well pressure coercion and mm-hmm. sex trafficking, and, and then and then now you're done and now they and they got you and it's, it's beyond just the, the content producers and we were talking a lot about content producers but in the girls do porn case the civil judgment the 12 million dollar judgment was awarded not only against the content producers but against Affiliated websites who weren't involved in the content production. So now you're talking about you've got to know if content that you're promoting or linking to or making money from Involves these kinds of activities because the liability goes beyond the producers and You know it's the same thing with with Vasta. if you are recklessly indifferent to sex trafficking Content on your site. That's a pasta violation And so you, you have an obligation to know what kind of content is being promoted by your site or uploaded by your site, even if it's produced totally by third parties. Yeah, it's, you know, again, this
3: is the sort of thing. Anyway, so that was the first big thing I wanted to talk about. Uh, Second thing, the big thing I wanted to talk about today was uh, a lot of you, we have website operators in here? Okay, there we go. So you guys been reading news lately? Has been seeing a lot about data breaches? Okay, so this is becoming the newest, uh, hottest thing in in adult right now. Why I can't possibly, I have no freaking clue. I have my suspicions, but that's a whole other issue. We're going to talk about something that you guys are going to have to get serious about, okay? Number one, if you guys haven't already done so, there are companies out there, insurance companies, that will give you what's called cyber insurance policies, okay? These are insurance policies that specifically protect you in the event of data breaches. I'm recommending to every single one of you in here today, go out and get one. Now, one of the reasons why I'm telling you that is because even if you do absolutely everything 120 percent correct okay what's happening now in the data protection world so to speak is you have these they call themselves data security firms okay and what these guys do is they go to your website or your program or your server and they look for an exploit okay and once they find an exploit what they then do is they send you an email and they say hey we're so-and-so security form and security firm excuse me and we found this particular exploit. Uh, good news, though, we found it. And if you pay us $10,000 a month to be your official security consultants, what have you, uh, you know, it all ends there. Okay? You guys want to guess what happens when the website operator doesn't pay the security to the security firm? Don't
2: be rude.
3: Guess what? Now you're on the cover of whatever tech magazine is doing it, and that's what's happening right now. Um, I'm involved currently in two of the two of the cases that are going on, and I'm and I'm telling you guys this is serious business because people think that, okay, you fix the data breach, you get the, the bad, you know, bad press. And you're done. That's not the case at all. In the U S you've got 50 states, which means you've got 50 different jurisdictions that have different reporting requirements. What that means <coughs> is that each state will tell you, okay, well, you got to report it this way. You've got to send it to your people that are affected this way. And you got to notify the attorney general and you got to send it like this. And if you don't comply with that, now you're open to potential civil liability and on top of that you're open to potential criminal liability by that state given what their individual statutes are right now so this is a, this is kind of like a hot thing that i'm kind of i'm putting into your guys's ear today because i'm seeing this now i'm starting to see the pattern much like larry and i and, and mike have been up here telling you guys that the government was coming in terms of content production human trafficking. we've been warning you i'm telling you this data breach thing is scary and i think it's going to get bigger the reason why is because companies are starting to think shit. if i don't pay this data security center off or excuse me data security firm off i'm going to be the next guy to be on the cover of whatever magazine and my business is going to be fucked you guys got to be thinking about this now this is going to be a huge discussion that you give it another 12 months 24 months when you see me back up here talking next year it's not going to be three four adult companies it's probably going to be 10 15 companies already.
4: And, and I'm on and he's on two of the cases on one side and I'm on the case on the other side and I can tell you that there are models hunting for lawyers okay so when these data breaches occur it's not going to go away quietly the models are smart enough to know their rights they're going to go hunt lawyers that will take these cases on contingency and we're talking about a lot
3: of money for data breaches. big breach
2: dollar. cases. Big, big, dollars. big dollars
3: so this shit is not like this, 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 the world of data security and personal information security now as it is completely evolved. Like Mike said, there, there are models out there that are getting very, very, very caught up in this. They're getting very educated on these issues. And very angry. Yep. Very, very angry. angry. A lot of pissed off models. One of the reasons, of course, is because models are concerned that it's not just about their driver's license number, it's about their, their security, frankly. Now someone could find out what their real name is, find out where their real address is, and that out them do anything. Well, you know, mm-hmm. I hadn't thought about that. I hadn't thought about the mm-hmm. outing, actually. Dachshund. Yeah, I, I hadn't thought about that, and it's a good point too, but you can't, this is a real deal. And and if you guys think that, you know, I'm just talking up here and moving my lips and it's like, you know, no big deal. Guys, I'm telling you, come back and talk to me in a year and there'll probably be 10, 15 more companies that are going to deal with this stuff.
5: One other aspect of that is your privacy policies. You know, a lot of people just take <coughs> privacy policies from their sites or they don't, they, they had it up there for six years and they haven't looked at it in forever models and the government, they're going to look at those privacy policies because that describes exactly how you handle personal information, how you secure it, and what you promise to the general public that's using your website. You start making statements like, you know, your data is 100% secure. I've seen it in a lot of privacy policies. We do everything. We go above and beyond to secure your data. They're going to look at that, and you're going to be held to those promises. So be very careful what you say in a privacy policy. Make sure it accurately reflects what you do on your website in terms of private data. We have a question. I that. Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. I was want to getting
2: insurance. What
1: can
3: you do to try? Okay, so some of the things that you need to do immediately, okay, is you have to take a look at what's happening right now and look at kind of like the common denominators. So what I've noticed so far is that people who are using Amazon, excuse me, Amazon web hosting services is out of AWS. They seem there's a pattern, they're being targeted. Um, what I would tell you guys in the adult industry is I would tell you guys to think very hard about who you're hosting with, uh, because Amazon is a hosting. There are obviously adult, uh, adult hosts, as Mojo hosts reflected. They're all out there that do excellent jobs. Um, you guys have to think about this because, again, we know that Amazon Web Services is being targeted. Uh, my newest understanding of, of the, the technology that's being used is that, I'm not sure, and this is new, so you guys are probably smarter than me in this, but it's these, uh, they call them like, uh, data buckets is, is what they're being referred to as and basically uh, what these you know what it is
2: Yeah, it's an Amazon simple storage service and what, what it is. It's um, you can associate some blob of data like a video with, yep. with some key, which is maybe a file name or could just be an arbitrary identifier and the core problem is is that a lot of the default configurations make it really easy to develop with uh, make the make the whole bucket structure public, and so you can download any file. And oftentimes, um, even if you can't list the contents, you might be able to guess the names of the various files once you know the name of one of them. And it, it basically comes from IT guys that don't know their Well, we're,
3: see- <laughs> we're 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 seeing well, we're seeing a lot of it. And but but the pattern that we're seeing over and over again is these companies are looking at this particular Amazon bucket thing. It seems to be the target right now. So my to answer your question, the first thing I would do is if you're using that, I would stop. Uh, number two, what I would do, there are legitimate, and when I say legitimate, there are legitimate data security firms out there that you can hire to do audits that actually aren't insanely, some people think they're so expensive that they're beyond the course of affordability. That's not the case at all. You can hire one of these companies, uh, they will go to your site, to your server, and in essence, they will try to hack you on purpose and the whole purpose. Of it. But before them are doing that, they'll sign confidentiality agreements and there'll be legal documents in place so they don't turn around and do what these other scumbags are doing. Uh, but that's a great question. That's the second thing I would do. The third thing that you uh, you need to be doing is you need to revisit uh, the access that you're giving out. Okay, Because of one of these things that you don't think of and the gentleman with the, OT there, and I was going to call it the, the KFC guy, but I thought that wouldn't make any sense. So the, so the KFC guy makes a good point because if you if you yourself are giving out you know three hundred different access cards, or call them access cards or logins or passwords to access this thing, and you're not tracking them and what have you, that's just stupid. And so what we're seeing in some of these data breaches is basically uh, an, an old, old, old. Password or an old key is being used for someone that's no longer associated with the site, but they just forgot to deactivate You should be keeping a log and making sure that if at any point there's any change in staffing or if you have a model where it goes away or an artist it goes away, whatever Slice the head off kill that key right away. Don't give it out to another person That's another big no-no don't take someone else's key and then give it to someone else because then later on when you try to figure out who the hell It was
2: how You figure it out, but
3: anyway Mike wants, oh, I guess go ahead. I want to make sure we have time because Mike really wants to talk about AB5s, but.
2: I guess to touch on that issue, um, because I, I do come from an IT standpoint, um, a lot of the industry has recently changed over to trust no one mm-hmm. and authenticate everybody. So, um, and then a lot of the, the companies that I've worked with before will audit your site and as soon as you are able to work with them and say, okay, well, person a, B, C, and C are going to be terminated on this date then, as soon as that time frame comes around, then all their access is gone. Everything it, that they have had is now archived, and you can pull it for whatever you need. But they're still that third party that holds the keys to your kingdom, basically. That they have, you know, access to everything. But they're insured for you,
3: right? And that, and that's what I'm talking about. And when and, you know, this is the difference between using the reputable firms who have the insurance. Uh, you got to do it. You know, it's a different world. Some guys are doing different things that I. I, I I, it's interesting, like they're doing contests. I'm sure you guys have seen that. Have you seen that, Mike, where they're like, get $15,000 if you hack my site? I, I like it from a PR standpoint, but in terms of an intelligence standpoint, I'm kind of like, you really want to do that? And because if you invite the wrong person, then you're gonna say, well, I don't want 15, give me a half a million. You know, <laughs> it's just, it's not, I don't know if that's the smartest uh, tool of that, but anyway. That's enough about that crap. Hey, Mike, I got a question for you. What's AB5, man? AB5
4: is gonna be the death of a lot of these companies. All right, there we go.
3: It's very Um, positive.
4: AB5 is in California now. It's coming to a state near you. (laughs) It's probably coming to your state. Uh, I picked up, you know, today, uh, there's an article about the Netherlands, about the Netherlands is basically also taking the position towards independent contractors, that there is no such thing as an independent contractor anymore. So with California, the AB5 is a recent law that codifies a previous case called Dynamax, which was decided in April 30th, 2018, which basically allowed wage orders to apply to a lot more uh, classifications of workers. California used to use a a case called Borello to decide independent contractor versus employee status even though California has a labor code provision that basically says everyone is an employee. Well, under Dynamax, there's a three-prong test to decide whether or not somebody is an independent contractor or an employee. And, and for the most part, in this industry, you, you would really have a tough time being able to satisfy all three prongs. And so this is where, where we are now and where I see us going in the next several years is more and more states are going to go there. And the reason why... As a matter of fact, last week, Governor Murphy in New Jersey signed a similar AB5 bill in New Jersey. I believe it's already in Massachusetts. Uh, There's other states that are exploring it. And the reason why is because when you treat people as independent contractors, they tend not to pay taxes. And so the states have seen a loss of revenue from employment taxes. And they estimate that from uh, imposition of AB5 and Dynamax, California will reap $7 billion a year in new tax revenue. So other states are gonna start looking at this and going, wow, we can increase our tax revenue, and it really doesn't hurt anybody as long as they, that's what they think. And you're gonna see other states pass similar laws. So there's gonna be, there, there are challenges right now to, to Dynamax and AB5 happening in California. I don't think they're gonna be successful. I've done employment law for the vast majority of my career, I've represented Warner Brothers, I've represented Universal and Fox and all of the large studios in Los Angeles. I used to represent cast and crew. And I can tell you, Hollywood made this mistake in the 1970s and 80s with their productions. They treated everybody like independent contractors. And the Franchise Tax Board and the Labor Commissioner in California came in and said, no, these are all employees, these are not independent contractors, and the fines that they, imp- that they imposed against the studios almost put them out of business to the point of where Hollywood almost left Hollywood. Everybody started now producing movies in other states where they were giving tax benefits and tax breaks because it just wasn't conducive to, to make movies in California. And to a certain extent, that still happens. Unfortunately, you know when you have an adult company, a lot of the production happens in California or did happen and there's some campsites and, and what what AB5 really applies to are services, and this is where you really have to look. If you're a content production studio, you have to treat your performers, your director, your videographers, treat them as employees. Make the switch over now. Stop the liability because under in California law, your liability goes back three years. And I can tell you wage claims and I can tell you rest period and meal break claims are very expensive claims to to pay off on, especially if you're talking about a company that has hundreds to thousands of day employees, where this has never been, uh, uh, where this has never been addressed, and you, you know an average wage claim could be fifty to seventy-five thousand dollars. Under California law, we have a, a statute called PAGA, Private Attorney General Act, where I, as an attorney, can find one person and I can certify that as a class action. I only need one. So, I need one performer to go against your particular platform, and now I have a class action lawsuit. Very easy to certify. So, California makes it very easy. And those lawsuits, I don't know if you remember, a couple of years ago, there was a lot of litigation against strip clubs and gentlemen's clubs for misclassifying employees as independent contractors. It's still going. It's still going. And those same plaintiff attorneys are out there, and I think they're going to take these cases on. And it's going to be a very easy lawsuit against, especially the live cam sites. This is going to affect them the most. But if you have situations on your platform where you have some live camming versus some clip sales, you know, a lot of the the platforms go in and they touch tipping, okay? So if your platform is taking a percentage of the tips from a model, you can't do that. That's going to be the basis of a lawsuit. And we're not talking about lawsuits that result in $100,000, we're talking about lawsuits that are being $10, $15, $20 million, because that's what some of those strip clubs have been hit for, for doing the exact same thing yeah. with with dancers, and there's higher,
3: yes. The So the one thing you should, t- to follow up on Mike, um, like I was talking to you guys, a theme about insurance policies out there, there are policies, they're called employed, uh, employed employer employee practices liability insurance i believe is the technical name yeah but they're not going to go backwards no they're They're not going to go backwards backwards, but they can at least get them now yeah they can get them now but now the one thing i I actually disagree with mike on and this is kind of fun because i actually mike's like my my gambling guru he teaches me how to play cards properly but something that i disagree that we were actually talking about this earlier mike and i differ a little bit i actually believe that, that some states will actually not go in the ab5 direction i believe that because of politics um you would note mike that the dynamics decision the supreme court decided was right down party lines so i was just i if if you're
4: sitting in a blue state where it's friendly for sex work i would be worried if you're sitting in a friend in, in a red state where it's not friendly for sex work or pornography you'd be less i i don't think texas will ever pass an
3: ab5 Okay. There's other problems in Texas. Yeah, there's other problems in Texas. And, and I'm not suggesting that you guys go off to, like, you know, what was it, like, hell of a battery Alabama or something like that and start <laughs> shooting porn there. What I am suggesting to you guys is that what Mike said is spot on. You want to get around this, it's very simple. You want to, you want to work in California, you treat your California uh, workers as employees. It's very simple. You're, you're done. You're saved. But, and this is what I, I, I believe, that. that for those of you that aren't going to do it, because I know there's going to be some of you, despite the fact that what Mike is saying is spot on, you're not going to listen. You need to look at very carefully. You shouldn't be creating your content in the state of California. You shouldn't be accepting applications from California models. I know it sounds harsh and horrible, and it's going to cut into your bottom lines. But that's what a lot of these sites are already starting to do. And, it, and and if you really want to, if you want to eliminate the liability, Mike, what do you do? You treat them as employees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just treat everybody as employees. Or or, or, you don't take take them up together.
4: Yeah, but this is, like I said, it's not just California anymore. It's It's going to spread. States want money, and this is an easy way to get money, is to reclassify everybody that was misclassified in the first place back as employees. So as California goes, other states go. California is a lead state. People watch to see what happens in California, and if they can do it, they do it and start bringing in the money. There are, other, there are other ways to protect yourself. Uh, one of the things that you can do is if you're going to limit your back, uh, your retro liability, you may want to install an arbitration agreement with your employees or soon-to-be former independent contractors who are now employees. And you may want to include a clause that prevents a class action lawsuit. Every time that they want to bring an issue up against you, whether it be wage or unemployment or, or, or meal break or rest break, They have to do it as an arbitration, and they can't join a class action. So depending on how many people that you have you're really talking about, you can limit the class action against your company. The problem is, in California, that employment law uh, arbitrations between employees and their companies has to be paid for by the company. So each arbitration is going to probably cost you twenty or twenty-five thousand dollars depending on who you use.
3: Maybe you'll get a little bit cheaper down in the, the fifth. range. The filing fees, like 2800 bucks for AAA now.
5: Yep. Yeah. If, if you decide to use AAA, then you're going to be stuck at the employer paying your fees on the AAA rule. So you got to look at when you're you, drafting those you contracts, you, who you're selecting yeah, as well. You don't
4: want to do a form one. You want to really research and write a very good arbitration agreement or clause to that a, a employment agreement. But yeah, you're going to have to pay that. But it. But it's better than having three years of potential liability out there for, you know, what could happen to you as an employer. You and know, a question over there. Yeah, the
2: model is registered there on LLC. Like, That's no. not
3: going to help. It's and, really not going to help. And what's really no, and what's really cool—I mean, it's not really cool—but what the <laughs> genius over in, in California. Sorry, Mike. I know you're a California guy. But what the geniuses did is they actually specifically wrote about that in the law. It's right there in there. It says, regardless of what form the worker is. So it, they knew that that's exactly what people were going to try and the state yeah. of California said, no way. There, there's
4: a, I, I did a two hour thing yesterday on it and I, I have a handout. If you give me a card, I'll send you. There's there's like uh, 10 or 12 things that have to be uh, met to show that there's a fide business to business relationship. And if you are paying uh, performers, LLCs and inks thinking that you're protecting yourself, you really have to be inside their business. There has to be a loan out agreement. There has to be a contract between you and the company that you're hiring the performer through. You have to be added on as additional assured to their workers' compensation policy or their <clears> production <throat> insurance. You really have to do business to business. It's not just a, oh, you got an LLC? I'll rate the check to your
2: LLC, and I'm all good. That doesn't work. Dude, there's a question. How does it affect people like fans and?
4: Well, it, it doesn't affect digital downloads, okay? So okay. if you're selling, if somebody's selling a clip, that doesn't apply. It applies to services. So if somebody's doing a live show, that's a service. you well, say it's the tips? If, if there's tips involved and you're taking a piece of the tip? Because usually somebody's getting tipped on a service. They're, they may be doing a, a chat, a DM chat with a client. They may be doing a phone sex chat. They may be doing a video chat. So, if somebody tips off of a, you should, a company should still not take a percentage of the tip. It's a little bit un, more unclear
2: when it comes to digital downloads. So the UK we don't do tips as much, so it is a case of say. Pop-up. You're
4: in the you're in the UK. Yeah. yeah don't worry about this. <laughs> you have got the Tories in now, and I don't think any pro labor well, party's coming back well, for a
3: while. <laughs> Are you even part of a country right now? Like I, I thought you guys were like, I really don't know where they are. The you, European? You,
4: you have employees in California?
2: Well, then you have employees in California and you're
4: doing business in California. Yeah. Are you registered as doing business in the state of California? Yeah. I mean, th- this is part of the thing that you guys don't realize too is that. If you're doing business in other states, you need to register in those states as a company doing business in that state. This is so often forgot in this
3: business. It's ridiculous. Well, you... You said often forgot. I think the, the proper term would be often ignored is probably the, I, I, I don't, I, I don't
4: really People get to know. don't know. Yeah, they don't uh, know. They don't ask me. They ask you. They don't ask me like, oh, should I register in
3: Massachusetts? Because I've got my director. I, I, should I say a company? What's that? Should be doing business in Michael Federosi's name. I, uh, I do you talking about. So, yeah, we can talk afterwards because we're almost out of time
4: anyway. And I want to give, I going to open up the floor to general questions.
2: Anyway, a question, sort of the opposite of what you just described. If you have a company registered in the United States but you don't do business in the United States, all your production is done outside of the United States, are you liable? You're fine. Of of this? I wouldn't worry about it.
3: You pay your taxes
2: though. Uh, <laughs> uh, what? I'll talk later. Anyway, so <laughs>
3: You like oh, oh that, pay- just, just do me. Just do me a favor, okay? One soap thing. on a
4: rope, bad. <laughs> Run. And that's the other thing about about AB five. If you're going to start filing uh, payroll uh, reports, that's going to start lighting up the FTBs, uh, and they're going to start finding out who you are as an employer. Why haven't you ever paid payroll taxes before? And the models are going to get hit even worse because there is going to be. There's gonna be employment taxes paid on them, and they're gonna to start to wonder why haven't anybody filed tax returns on these people for years.
3: Well it's a, problem. That's, it's the a model, problem. that's the model thing to think about, though. The models that are that are racing over, it's a two-way street. Models are supposed to be paying certain levels of state taxes, they're supposed to be paying their FICA Medicare. And it's just as much as you could say, well, okay, well,
4: well, but but here's the problem. If I don't pay taxes as a United States citizen, that doesn't put me in jail. Okay. If I don't pay payroll taxes, that's a little bit more criminal. Yes. Okay. So there's an issue. Anyway, uh, pay your taxes, please. Pay your
2: taxes. Well, so open f- it's any, it's any questions. question. You're thinking, thinking about it. There <laughs> has to be a supply of, like, I know you're talking about employees, but I, like, as a target lab, I'm based in Nevada. So it's <laughs> not really an issue. If just hire a model for the day, how could she be an employee? Because you can have an employee for one day. But you're shooting in Nevada. Yeah, yeah. Are you are you hiring her from California? Yeah. Well,
3: then uh, yeah. it, it, if the nothing
2: happens, happens it,
3: with
4: California, want you do hire them
2: from California. Could, could be? be. I will. Yes. I, I'll tell you could something be. interesting.
3: Because one of my one of my clients who came here, we were doing this, we were doing the whole 85 Five analysis. Mm-hmm. We actually did a statistical analysis of how many of I think at this time they had like two hundred and seventy thousand accounts or something. like that. how many of the two hundred seventy thousand accounts are actually California-based? Well, it was actually, we were very, the answer was actually less than 470. Then when we broke it down to how many of those counts are actually active, the number was less than 200. So one thing I'd actually be telling you guys, and to think about this, again, even though, you know, some people might not want to hear me say this, is take a close, hard look at your numbers and make a decision. Because if you're looking at your overall business and, you know, 0.221% of your models are California-based, don't accept California models. There's your solution. So it's, again, I I know you you don't want to hear it from me. You don't want to hear me say it, but that's the reality of the situation. So look at the numbers and look at, do you really need to be in California? Now, again, I'm not taking away from what Mike's saying, because Mike makes a good point. There are gonna, you know, you will see some copycat states, but again, on the flip side, I disagree with them, because I think some states are gonna say, we're gonna be the states that are friendly to this sort of business. We want independent contractors, most notably trucking industry, uh, they're going to be the ones that are going to see states are going to be clamoring for their work. But
4: it's unlikely that we'll get the exclusion that some
3: other better lobbied
4: uh, industries...
3: Yeah, like you know, me and Mike were talking about this today. We were actually we were playing cards when we were having this conversation. Um, we don't have lobbyists. Yeah, we, th- th- there is some talk that, that, that you know, we're going to start hiring some lobbyists to try to get the exception. So what you can do under eighty five is you can get excluded. So there's certain categories. Lawyers, for example, are excluded. <laughs> Suckers. But... <laughs> but ultimately you know so there's talk about hiring lobbyists to go running around california and starting to knock on the legislature's doors and stuff and one of the things that mike was actually kind of educating me on today in the state of california is actually how difficult of a process it is and you've really got to be very smart about that so we don't actually from based on what mike told me today i don't think it's going to be very likely that you're going to see an exemption for adult entertainers anytime soon is there
2: anything
3: it's still
5: the law we're,
3: well, We're, what are we, 15 years into the
5: court battle now? Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> the, the case is, is back up on appeal, the, the law was enjoying, uh, we all, as lawyers up here, tell our clients to continue to comply with it because the case could change, you know, the the, the law could change, there could be a, a different decision by the Supreme Court at the end of the day. The litigation's not final, um, so it is what it is, but, you know, there's some encouraging developments in the court saying that it's a violation yeah. of the First and Fourth Amendment. Yeah, last couple of decisions have
3: definitely been in our favor. But like Larry just said, it's you have a case that's bouncing up and down between the courts of court of appeals, and I think they did ask for when uh, they, they asked for uh, the Supreme Court to hear it. The latest, I thought, right? We don't know if they're going to actually. Uh, yeah, we have no idea where it's going to go next. But it's this is keep following it, keep monitoring it, continue to maintain your two two five seven records. It's very important, both from a frankly a responsibility standpoint, also. It could change tomorrow. You could have a completely different court that says no. We reverse that court, and you're right back to where we were. So, where are all you
2: guys
3: located? I'm. My office is in Michigan. I practice out of. I'm also licensed in Arizona, Georgia. uh, Where am I forgetting? DC, New York, Um, and then Larry and I are off council, so uh, I have the benefit of being able to work with Larry from Florida, so. I tried to get licensed
2: in Florida, but they want me to take another fucking exam. I think it's, Screw that. <laughs> one, I don't know that not About the snowbirds. Yeah, that not time. I have a question that I want to ask you. I have not been to the accomplice for a few
4: years, but a few years ago, there was this big thing going
2: that a model can say, hey, I, I wish I had a model for you to take me you off your site. Uh, does that still exist? I think it's the right to be forgotten.
3: Okay. No, no, you okay. So you now before you confuse the whole room. Okay. thank okay. you for doing that though. You're getting GDPR confused with absolutely everything else we're talking about. So GDPR is basically was the European solution to uh, data protection data privacy and there are certain rights for Europeans that they have a right to actually request that all their data be deleted, etc. However, the gpr also had provisions in there except where elsewhere prohibited by law so if you actually had a proper contract the model couldn't just say okay wipe me off the site it wouldn't work that way but regardless don't get those two things mixed up because there there's you can I, i've known you a long time and i love you but you could really fuck an audience up by asking questions like that, <laughs> yeah.
2: is, is that is, James Dean has a question, everybody. He's
3: also <laughs> going to be getting autographs at the end of the seminar if
2: you'd like. <laughs> so, how are trade associations and unions affected by everybody? Oh. So, mm-hmm. for instance, like SAG, everybody has an employee of SAG. Well,
4: they, they have collective bargaining agreements already. So. They're already considered employees. Yeah, that's yeah. That yeah. Well, Always
2: just operate as is. As, as it is. So, so is yeah. that like the movie industry, Mike? Because my understanding
3: is that the movie industry, that they, they already had a collective bargaining deal where were people who worked in mainstream movies in, in California Yeah, treated them as employees. Yeah. Oh, they, right. yeah, they've been treating them. And like there was the no place. choice.
4: Well, no, because the FTB 30 years ago did what's happening now to us. They came in and said, you have to stop doing this and we're going to start imposing fines. FTB fines are really, really nasty. And they're, they're a pain in the ass to try to get away from. IRS is
2: nothing compared to the Franchise Tax Board in how, California. How does that system function in which side industry they everything Like, when was the case for Four Years, their solutions for business, what, what oh, the business? Oh, what was the solution? Yeah. They, they formed two companies. I, I asked you to uh,
4: represent Casting Crew and Entertainment Partners. So if I'm Warner Brothers, when, when I represented Warner Brothers or Fox, they would always only hire above the line talent, the stars. Everybody else who worked on that movie, extras, gaffers, best boys, everyone was always hired through cast and crew, entertainment partners, and basically Warner Brothers sent the check to those, two, to those two companies. They did the payroll. They did the hiring. They did the firing. They did the 401ks. They did the human resources. They did the benefits. It, it was an employment agency. I've been talking about this in porn forever, and that's what he's he's smiling at, is that I think in this industry, we should have a similar setup as casting crew or entertainment partners. So this way it takes all the liability off of the producers and it puts it on those two particular agencies. Mm -hmm. And uh, the other thing that goes along with this is that if you're a producer and you're making your performers pay for testing, pre-employment testing, that's gonna change and that's gotta stop. That's a lawsuit in itself. Mm -hmm. At least in California, Anytime that you have an employee have to to take some type of medical test or drug test before being able to work, it's the employer's responsibility to pay for that, not the performer's. If I ran a construction company and I asked, and James wanted to drive a caterpillar uh, dump truck, I would ask him to take a drug test to make sure that he was not, you know. I know. This <laughs> is a horrible idea, idea. That, Mike. That is the worst idea to put. But I know that. he would like it, and so I would have to. I would have to pay for the drug test and make sure he can drive the truck. You know, I. I don't have the liability. I'm saving myself from liability. So the same things going to happen when we start treating everybody as employees.
2: The testing is going to have to roll over onto the backs of the producers. I just pictured James filming a scene in a fucking Caterpillar now because of this. I don't video of if you destroyed a car, but place over here in Vegas, yeah. With the guns? With the guns? No, 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 no. Oh, there's a problem. One more. Yeah, um, the intern exit interviews. Um, as of now, when we do the exit interviews, we do them on set with everybody there. Oh, great time. great. Would you recommend? Going off in private and asking them, which one would hold up better in court? Like, no, 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 have, no, 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 Because now
3: if you're starting to take almost, if you're suggesting what I think you're suggesting where you do it in private, you're almost doing, you're almost scripting how the exit interview is going, yeah. going to go. That is exactly what you don't want. That is actually, and, and no, that's a great question your interviews that you're doing both before and after this was actually something larry taught me a lot many many years ago this is raw footage okay this is like if, if you if, if your model is sitting there and she's you know she's still sitting there taking off some of the makeup from her face and she's saying yeah i
2: had a great time a
3: you want that footage you don't want to start stop freezing then going back on the camera we well, need to stop a minute and go why is it because i didn't like your answers and you got the gun pointed to your head you answer that question again the right way no 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 what if the suit didn't go right Better to to know and don't use the content. Your question is so spot on. This drives me nuts. It drives me crazy. Exit interview where the model says it was a horrible experience. My ass is hurting now. I'm never going to do it again. Well, there's a case going on
4: right now where that exit (laughs) interview has content. And the director came back and said, no, we need to do that exit interview again. And that's now a lawsuit.
2: Don't use well, the code. More. Don't that, use the It wasn't that much fun that they're saying it was fun, but then they go home and they change their mind. No. You know, yeah. There's no recent evidence that I she needs to be able to her. her. Yeah. So yeah. I
4: the case that I handled. And, and literally, it, it was a sum total yeah, of everything. So do. The police looked at the demeanor of the model when she arrived, how she was through the scene, how she was during the exit interview and she was fine during everything. So when she got home and changed her mind, the cops were like, we don't really believe her because we got an hour and a half of her being all giddy and happy and laughing and joyful,
3: so. Now, I'm not sure what sort of content you you, you film, but for, for those of you who are in the, more the extreme fetishes, um, <laughs> but I actually tell you guys that one thing that is starting to move in a big direction is in addition to the post-production interviews, there's also post-production documents to sign. Um, this is, getting bigger and bigger and bigger, uh, only because again, you're seeing these situations like Mike is describing where you have you know, people changing their mind and, and so forth. So this is another thing that just to be considering. So it's also important that when you talk to your lawyer or whoever it is that, that's doing your documentation, that you be very honest with them. Tell them what you're doing. Tell them if you know if what you're seeing is is is, you know, one of James's crazy scenes where you're just throwing pancakes at his ass for three hours, then tell them that. You know, do be, right. be specific in what the content is. If the content is more extreme, if the content involves whips and chains and bondage and so forth, tell your lawyer that so they can prepare the necessary documents and help you prepare so that you can film the content in, in a responsible way. I am
2: guessing you'd also suggest to keep the source footage, too. I mean, that was 4K. Is so oh,
3: my God. I, source footage is, source footage is yeah. like gold. I, I mean, yeah. keep it. Put it in a, you know, with the cost of storage being so cheap now,
2: mm-hmm.
3: put it on a hard drive and store it somewhere. God
5: three budget what's that? Yeah. no 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 not an amazon website
2: there's no question right. for mentioning you talked about uh, coercion and pressure and you know about changing like the co- the content of what on the policy what if let's say if they had an agreement a four-hour shoot right Let's say into the second hour she gets an argument with her boyfriend that lasts an hour right so you would very kindly ask the model will you stay another hour would that be considered pressure how do you ask well, I mean, that, you I'm kindly ask her, then course. it's not so pressure. You're, right. You know. well, you're fine. I mean, but you better give her
4: a meal break and some rest because otherwise you're going to... Well, that's
2: going to happen. I'm
3: probably going to differ with what these two guys are going to say because yeah. I'm in, in this particular circumstance, I'm very conservative. Frankly, if it were me, given the nature of what we're in right now, I would probably take the easy way
5: out and I would probably not push the extra hour. But that's, that's just me right now there's going to be a you know, hundred shades of gray and lots of different things that come up in any production. And you know the environment that we're in doesn't mean that you can't negotiate a contract, but the expectations have to be extremely clear. Everybody has to be on the same page at full disclosure, transparency and documentation. And yet you can negotiate, you can't pressure, you can't coerce, you can't make people feel unsafe, you can't make them feel like they can't change their mind or leave. You know, those are the basic rules, and that, that doesn't change the fact that negotiation is still possible in business. That's
3: what makes me a little nervous in the, in the example you just gave, because I
5: wonder, Larry,
3: if maybe that creates a situation where the model's thinking, well, she says, well, I didn't really feel like I could leave. Right. Yeah. Well, that's what Larry just said.
2: pressure, And that's what Larry just said, and I agree with him. Any any employment
4: type of situation is pressure. You just don't get to walk off your job whenever you right. want because you feel like it. Right. There is some, some, but if you've negotiated four hours and you can show that she spent an hour on the phone because you have a camera running, you know, oh, protecting yes, yourself, yes, then you can go, well, there is no pressure. She was walking around talking to her boyfriend for an hour. Look at them, you know, and never shut off the camera because in the other case that I talked about, that was something that the police questioned, like, why did the camera go on and off? So always try to figure out a way to keep that camera running when completely. When you're
3: having a, a fight with your significant other, right? How many times have you, you fight with your other? Occasionally. Yeah, right. When you're having a fight with your significant other, how many times have you, like, when, they, when someone's trying to walk away from the argument, you turn and block the door and keep fighting with them or keep the argument going or whatever. I'm not talking about, you know, physical violence. But even in my head, I've had fights with my spouse where, you know. That's abusive. No, well, not whatever. But ultimately, when you think about this in a set, this is like one of the examples that I'm giving. So, like in your situation, you start getting into a dispute over well, did you really have an hour left? You're supposed to be on on set, whatever. Don't go standing on the side of them and block the doorway, because okay, because that's actually one of the things we saw in the Girls Do Porn indictment, or, or have your security guards block. It. Yep. Don't do that. Don't do that. You have a question? No, I
2: no, not have a question. Just one question you know, Not to turn this on myself. So I've been doing this for 17 years. And one of the things when I first got into this industry, there was this kind of golden, unspoken rule that a girl, as a mom, and I'm going to say girl, because she goes to a girl, it's always a girl. If she ever asked, when, can I, when do you think this will be done? They were almost like, like "What? Well, you have the nerve to, to ask that kind of a question. You're not really in this already for the like blah, 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 and, I, and I've noticed over the years that now I tell them when my female mom is set, I let them know almost immediately when they're going to be done about during the day. And I watched their whole, like, they just get much like, oh, oh, wow. You know, hey, we should be done. It's 10 o'clock in the morning If everything goes well. We're going to be done at two o'clock in the afternoon. They look and they go. You just really that. No, The expectation like, should be the expectation should be set either before the shoot. Hold on. As somebody who I can say for say I've done more porn as a model than anyone else in this room, <laughs> <laughs> really? male or female, knowing what you're getting into before you get there and what is expected of you when when you arrive is more valuable than any contract, anything they have to treated as a And you do know, it trivial things like, oh, today you're going to play the cool guy who's going to see the, the neighbor and you know have this thing. Right. Just Even if it seems asinine, I mean, the knowledge of, oh, this is what I'm getting into is, is so much more comfortable than so many And I've shot James many, many times, and he's been on my sets, and, and I've actually been sued for this kind of thing. Right. Right. Yeah, I sued <laughs> that, but, but when I, really? In no other job in no. do ever. do can okay, have fun in another job and, and not know when we're gonna go home. You never show up at Best Buy for your outfit. No, they, you they, might be late or whatever it is. No, and the same thing should happen. You know, and on a points, I just tell the person, like, "Hey, this one's gonna make stuff. But this is why, and this and is, like, is like, but any, but he this. But
3: this is the difference between professional, well-respected yeah. content producers, and then the other crap that you get. And, and that's the difference, because when you have someone who's producing the way James just described, where the expectations are set ahead of time, and everybody knows exactly what they're going to be doing, how long they're going to be shooing, what they're going to be doing, etc. Those are professionals. That's the way it should be. These other ragtag operations that, you know, are going there and they're saying, oh, you know what, honey, you got to stay another eight and a half hours. It's
2: not going to it's... But my months. final point, really quickly, I'm a professional, I have been for seventeen years, I've always been consensual, I've been sued, I've had about three or four issues where people have said after the fact Billy Watson made me do this. Because they made a choice that they didn't like on said after the fact, generally due to social media. And, and that used to be just the... So you have to be super careful. Yep. And even as careful as I've been for seventeen years, and Michael's been counsel all the time, something
5: can happen. We've seen it many times, you know, in 30 years of doing this. And, and these used to just be business disputes, and you it and you buy up the content, or saying you don't have a leg to stand on, whatever. Now it's a whole different world. Now it's potential sex trafficking because people realize, and it's been in the news enough. Oh, wait a minute, this is a commercial sex act. I was pressured, or they'll get some lawyer now who's paying attention. We to call them that. We've been talking
3: up here very much in the one angle, and I'm going to talk to you just briefly about it, but There is the other angle where you will find individuals who will come to the set, who will lie, who will have bad intentions.
2: <laughs> hey, listen,
3: they're gonna come to your studio and they're gonna lie. They're gonna lie about what happened. They might have the greatest time in the world and they're gonna leave. And they're gonna say, he didn't let me go. He did things that he wasn't supposed to. And I'm saying he, and that's not always he, it could be she, um, but that's the reality of the world that you live yes. in now. And, and you gotta be prepared and you have to be in your expectation that when someone walks in to be filmed, that there is an absolute possibility that they won't lie about what happened when they were there.
2: Yeah. If anybody enters a new concept, just understanding. You know, so there's a certain segment in our, and, and I love my industry and I love the people in my industry. that are gonna be bipolar. deal with people that 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 are not.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Sorry guys, I, I just looked at my watch and realized we've gone like, way over time. Yeah. And, and that's good, and I love the fact that you guys are asking you these know, questions. You're
2: me out of doing this stuff for 15 Just <laughs> when I think I'm gonna do it now, I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna be an investor of a day trade. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, man, there's there's, no, see, there is there is
3: no reason why you can't be successful in this business if you do it the right way.
0: Please, please, Mr. Marvin, have a seat on the couch. Um, okay. This is my first therapy session, Dr. Thumperface. Please relax. Now, tell me about your mother. That's sort of personal, don't you think? Okay, well, uh, well, word association. Say the first thing that comes to your mind. Yellow. Goldfish. Sexy. Goldfish. Nine-person anal gangbang. Uh, Goldfish. Ah, Mr. Marvin. Why are you here? Well, the truth is, Doc, I'm into some stuff, and I don't know if it's, well, normal. Oh, Mr. Marvin, there isn't anything such as normal when it comes to sex. In fact, here's a prescription. Sick Addictions with Jocelyn Stone? New episodes every Tuesday. Listen to that at least once a week, and you will see that everybody has something that they are into. Okay, Doc. I'll give it a try. Well, our time is up. Seriously? I want to talk more about Goldfish. Our time is up. Sick Addictions with Jocelyn Stone. New episodes every Tuesday on adultfilmstarnetwork.com. So, uh, Mr. Marvin, you can tell me, what is your special interest? Well, I'm into P.B. P.B.? I, I must admit, I have not heard of that. Yeah, peanut butter. Oh, Doc, I just loved it. Next, Pichot.